As you know, this is the measure of an episode because you clicked on this podcast. However, if this is your first time here, welcome. And what we do is it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek and not just an amazing sequel that seems almost like they had planned it way back at the beginning. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And the criteria by which we judge these episodes is, number one, is there science fiction explored within the episode? And not just technobabble, but is there actually a science fiction concept that they go through? Number two, is this exploration novel or another word that means novel? (laughs) Unique. And number three, is there some sort of tale of morality that the characters or that the entire plot has to deal with? And I'm Jonathan. I was going to say, and I'm Paul. Didn't we already do that? We did that already. (laughs) Right? Well, let's travel back in time and see. What did we watch last time? Jonathan? We watched, well, last time we watched The Trouble with Tribbles. So we took it upon ourselves to watch Trials and Tribulations, which is the DS9 follow-up. And the blurb is, are you ready, Paul? I'm ready. I'm listening. Right. Okay. This is this is DS9 Season 5, Episode 6? This is DS9 Season 5, Episode 6. Uh, yep, because you okay. threw me off there. Where it says, Darwin... <laughs> A disgraced Klingon spy travels back in time to alter some events to his likings. The DS9 crew must find what he's trying to change and prevent it without altering the timeline. Okay, so right off the bat, I have to tell you, Jonathan, I feel like a failure. Okay. Okay, This has nothing to do with the podcast. You just are suddenly unloading yourself on me. Coincidentally, I happen to feel like a failure in real life and also in this moment (laughs) having to do with this podcast. Uh, Because they gave us the villain... They handed us the villain in like the first scene. It's like, here he is. This is the villain. Because it was the same actor who plays the Klingon. What? Just, I think I know where you're going with this. Well, I just feel, I feel like they gave it to us. Mm -hmm. And I should have known this Mm -hmm. because he's right there. I don't, I mean, did you pick up on this? I feel like we had just seen the episode. I can understand Uh if it was like, oh, I saw the episode a year ago. Right, right. How can I be expected to know what this guy looks like 30 years younger? Right. But we just saw the guy. Yes. We just saw him. And I was like, oh, this is a new character altogether <laughs> on DS9 that they found. He likes Ractagino. What a coincidence. And I, I was thinking to myself, it would be like if they had with Picard, if they had in the new show Picard, so that you know that in the best of both worlds, Picard becomes he becomes a Borg. Yes. Temporarily. Yes. But he becomes a Borg. Right. And then they they unassimilate him. You know the story. I do. Everybody knows yes. the story. Yeah. It would be like if the villain in Picard, the, t- the new TV show, was just an older looking Borg uh, that had a baseball cap on, but everybody just thought he was just a regular guy. <laughs> like that's how obvious it should have been to me, <laughs> that this was the bad guy. And uh, is there anybody else out there who – who missed it like I did and is a complete idiot. I mean, did you catch it? You must have known. I Yes. Yeah. But I mean, it was also because it was in the blurb. And when I saw him and he was talking about how he was a poor merchant, I was like, oh, yeah. And then and then his comment about the not liking Klingons is like, that's right. That's who this guy is. OK. Right. But OK. So I have it written as Darlin <laughs> because autocorrect. <laughs> hey, Darlin. And, and Star Trek does not get along at all. Uh, but. I, I, okay. Okay. Yeah. His name is Darwin, but okay. I would not have remembered that anyway. Right. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. Like that, that would not have told me like when, but I, he, he wasn't, I don't think he was Darwin when they saw him. Um, I think that he gave a different name. Um, in DS9 or in, in DS9. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, and but I I need to back up a little bit. So uh, the the time agents that that came to the station, um, one of them was named Luxley, and the other one was named I don't remember. I think it's Dumbler, but that doesn't sound right. Maybe Redlum, something like that. Um, but their names are anagrams of Mulder and Scully. Ah, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And what's cool is when they were trying to decide what to do, because this episode like was to celebrate, I think, the 35th anniversary of Star Trek. Um, and they were trying to decide what episode they should call back to. And they were discussing it. Um, and they one of the one of the episodes that they were talking about was Trouble with Tribbles. Um, and as they were kind of leaning towards different things, they were talking about like who was still alive and who could they get and that kind of thing. And the actor who plays Darwin was actually at the coffee shop as they were discussing this. With his wife ordering coffee. And so the producers just went up to him and they were like, hey, we have this idea. Would you be interested in being in the episode? And so they got his approval, right? Like that's what decided that they were actually going to do a Tribbles episode. That's kind of very close to the story about in DS9, how they stumbled upon the real life uh, Vegas singer whose name I can't remember. That episode where... (laughs) Vince Fontaine? It wasn't yeah, Vic Fontaine is a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh he's a real person. He sings in Vegas. Or he used to. Right. He's a little older now. Yeah. He used to. But it wasn't the story the same that they were at a party and you started talking to him. It's like, hey, we have to use this guy in his show. Kind of the same. Like the whole coffee shop scenario was the same thing. I mean, no. Okay. Off off the podcast. Paul, you remember Vic Fontaine's not a real person, right? On the podcast. Yes, he is. <laughs> He is a real person. I've seen him myself. I've met him. <laughs> but yes, like they loved that guy that they met and they wanted to put him in a show somehow. And they they had this part that was originally written for Frank Sinatra Jr. Um, but this guy was just such a, a cool cat um, that they that they realized that he was a better part for it. And um, well, how could he not be? He was a Vegas singer. Oh, I for know. So long. I know. I know. He would have to. He would, this would these kinds of things develop over the, the you know singing in Vegas for thirty years. Well, and developing am that I, kind of personality. Am I dragging this bit out too much? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so when Darwin comes up and he talks about the items that he was selling, um, those were also items that Spock had said that he was selling when he pretended to be a merchant um, in a previous original series episode. There were so many. Easter eggs and references in this episode. Like this is going to take a while. (laughs) Well, it's funny because it kind of just blows past you, but okay. So let's go back to the temporal investigator investigators. Okay. As you said, Mm -hmm. where the hell is the show, the star Trek show about these two guys, not just these two guys, this is a temporal agency in general. Right. Yeah. Right. Where's my star Trek show about this. Mm -hmm. I've wanted this since Voyager. Yeah. Uh, and I know Voyager was happening po- most likely after this Deep Space Nine episode. But there, there is a couple of – no, there's one big one. There's one – what's it called? Year of Hell where Voyager encounters a time-traveling ship that's there for – you know they've been time-traveling and trying to fix the past, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there – oh, no. There's two. There's that one. Then there's the other one where uh, – I got I to brush up on, on my <laughs> – I guess that's what the show is. But there are at least two expressions of this whole temporal uh, thing that exists that we only get little bite-sized pieces of that we, you know, effectively just kind of brush off our shirt after after the episode is over because we never hear from it ever again. And right. how badass would it be to have a show about this? Mm-hmm. 
No, I completely agree. You could do it. And now you could do it. Like this this was obviously a big uh, episode because it was technologically very difficult and they obviously spent a lot of time doing it. And as you said, they put in a lot of Easter eggs. And they, so it was a big deal. But in terms of it being a show, you could effectively put new cast members in this new show that we've just come up with in old episodes, in all of them, next gen mm-hmm. uh, and the rest. <laughs> well, and, and with Star Trek being what it is, like you could use – deep fake to add scenes with the new characters and i mean we were talking uh, that nobody knows about uh about and including me i just totally blanked on what i was <laughs> gonna say <laughs> even i don't even know what we're talking about <laughs> what was i gonna say i don't know it was about all right uh, so oh, fans okay. the kind of fans that uh, we're talking about star trek fans they would love this right oh Wouldn't yeah for you sure love this yet it doesn't exist why not right I mean, I would I would have to guess that to do a series like that, the budget is just like it's cost prohibitive. There's no way you could pay for all of the the, the likenesses for those actors um, to jump around. Like, well, they already it. have those likenesses because they already own those episodes within those like within those like they they can do whatever they want with them in those episodes, right? Maybe. So, I suppose, I mean, and it's not like the Star Trek people, especially the next-gen people, or any of them, are not down for this type of thing. Right. They all seem to come back no matter what. Um, <laughs> Even so it's terrible. <laughs> it's not, yeah, like it, it's not like they're not down for it either. Mm-hmm. And it is the perfect intersection of doing something new with Star Trek that we haven't done before, and also leveraging our nostalgia for these old shows. Right. It'd be perfect. Why isn't this not happening? <laughs> but I'm just I, I think to to have it look accurate, you know, I mean, one of the things with uh, with Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian, like it it's still the Uncanny Valley was still there. And so to to do the deep fake part of it, um, I think would be the the trickiest part. But I mean, you know, even that's a small a small part of the episodes like you wouldn't have to include a new scene every single time. Well, and it wouldn't have to be like every shot has to include something from the old show right. either. It right. could be like it is in this particular one where they have mild peripheral interactions, but most of it – actually, that's one thing about this show. I, w- I had rem- – OK, so I had remembered this show, it being like they, they were interacting with every single crew member that was in the old – you know, the, in the old episode, the, the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Mm-hmm. Like my memory was that they were totally immersed in it. And in reality, they weren't. No, there yeah. were a few where they were where they were kind of in the background, right? And you know, doing what they could they could do with that old footage. And I was wondering to myself, why do I remember this as being so something that it wasn't? Why is it, why does it seem like oh this this is kind of disappointing in that way? And I think I figured it out. Okay, I think the reason is that they did a very good job making the film look the same. Yes. And the makeup and everything. Because so you could probably line two of the shots up from the old show and the new show. And it looks almost identical in terms of just the film grain and the lighting and everything. Yeah. And so maybe that's why I thought, oh, they're basically in the same era. Right. I guess. And because they did such a good job doing that. And I guess they had to because they really didn't have that many interactions with the old crew. Yeah, but it was just – it was phenomenal, the – um, the difference in lighting, how they just n- nailed that, and then they they recreated yeah. the sets, and they it's it's funny because they recreated the sets in the same way that fans do and would, because they didn't have schematics of it. They they literally had to watch the episodes, and 
figure out where what the placement was of various things. Um, the the only thing that they could not get right um, was the the fence and the ladder when O'Brien and Bashir were working back there because it um, they actually used a reflective plastic and that's not made anymore. So they they did the best they could, but. Um, but that was like the the one thing that the the designers were were disappointed about. They you know they were super impressed at how accurate they got everything else, and that was just the one thing that they could not get accurate, even if they wanted to, even though they wanted to. See, that's the kind of nerd you want working on your TV show. <laughs> the people who feel bad. It's like, man, I'm sorry, I failed you. Yeah, as you can see, right? This I- ladder <laughs> that no one is going to notice <laughs> does not look exactly like the ladder did in the old episode. And I'm sorry. And I will. I, here is my pinky. And actually, that's a good segue. This episode, clear as day, um, you can see Scotty's middle finger missing um, when he comes into the um, uh, the rec center, the the rec room, the lounge, wherever the food is. It's like a bar. Um, a bar. When he comes in holding all the tribbles, his his middle finger just isn't there. Is it there later in later episodes or something? No, he lost his finger in in the war. Um, he lost his finger oh. in the second war, the Vietnam. Yeah, it must have been the Second World War. Um, that is interesting, although not as interesting as if as if the the finger somehow came back in the movies or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Technology these days, <laughs> or that it was some sort of character thing that he that he no Scotty would not have a middle finger. He would have lost it in some sort of war core accident. Right. Well, yeah, like play it up instead. But I guess yeah. maybe like they do limb regeneration. Um, but he could also just want it as a reminder. Of like humility yeah, or I don't want a new careful. limb. Right. Exactly. Scotty would not want a new one. Right. Yeah. Um yeah. so to go back, when they when they first they travel back in time and they, they pull the enterprise up, did you hear the the subtle like xylophone um playing the the intro to the Star Trek theme before the Enterprise came up? I feel like I did I became very aware of the music because I felt like the composer whose name I can't remember, uh did sort of adjust himself when they were back in time. Mm-hmm. Like it was still, it was still a score that was written and composed. They didn't use old score, which I did notice that even in the fight scene and everything that, that it was new score, but yeah, I became hyper aware of it. I don't think I noticed it, that it was the theme in that moment though. Yeah. And then, well, and then they, they played the, um, the, um, and then they played the, the DS nine, theme like right over that as well when the enterprise showed up it was kind of a you know the interesting the enterprise theme song and then like kind of an ominous ds9 outro before the commercial break Um, so i have something to say about when they first hear about or when they first realize they've gone back in time okay and it's a la picard being an archaeologist but has absolutely no interest in the time traveling humans that they encounter in in the next generation right so they realize that they've gone back in time and nobody seems to care. In fact, it seems like somewhat of a burden. And I understand that, okay, it may be somewhat disorienting and maybe a little bit urgent. It's like, oh, we're back in time. How did this happen? Can we get back? But nobody seems to care. Everybody kind of has this, this as though they've encountered a strange but not unexpected space anomaly that they just have to log away, you know, and then continue on with their business. It's like, well, yep, there it is. There's the Enterprise whatever a i guess we got to go over there do you guys want to go over there yeah i guess so too all right let's go and it, it just nobody has this this 
sense of wonder and awe that, oh my God, look, look where we are. Right. Nobody gets to do this ever. And no, and Ben Sisko, for as much as he likes to smile with his eyes as humongous, doesn't do that one time. I guess he does that when he meets Kirk for a bit. Right. But, but you'd think walking around, it's almost like if you got the opportunity to walk around high school, but you go to that high school, like the, to go back, how old are we? 25 years and go walk around high school and just be like, oh God, this would be such, we'd be such, you'd be just an avalanche of nostalgia. Yes. Right. Yes. And it would just be like, it would be almost uh, uncontainable how much fun it would be to do that. And nobody does that. <laughs> nobody seems to care. It's it's so weird to me that that they don't do like it's nobody. No one on the crew is like, wow, this is amazing. Well, right, right. And I, I and I think that's a totally valid observation. But I feel like also if you suddenly traveled back to high school and the person you traveled back with just suddenly ran away from you because they were going to, I don't know, kill one of the teachers i'm not gonna name any of them <laughs> like as cool as it would be to be back in time like that would be your focus and that's kind of what happened you know they they traveled back in time and as immediately when they got back there they they quickly figured out but somebody beamed off the ship right you know yeah i mean the plot the plot is actually it, it's a well-written episode mm -hmm. yeah. in terms of incorporating okay how are we going to incorporate the ds9 crew into this as we said before not a really super intricate plot on the side of the, the original series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not a lot happens. Mm -hmm. It's not really that interesting of a plot. Right. It just for some reason has stuck into everybody's mind because there's little furry balls, I guess. <laughs> People love furry balls. Man, do they. Um, Our sponsor this but, week is Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> Except the balls. Okay, but going back a little bit, going back to the temporal keep officers. Keep the forest for the tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the it would have been funny if if not interesting to so the the temporal officers when he when cisco mentions yes i encountered kirk and one of them says what a menace mm -hmm. and it's sort of a oh he was you know he was kind of a troublemaker when it came to the rules and it kind of was a nudge, nink, nink nink no it's a <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge would it have been more interesting if they said, Kirk, oh, yes, we just talked to him yesterday. What a menace. That would have been funny. Given the idea that hey, these guys are time mobile. They are always, you know, investigating time. Right. That's <laughs> what we do at Temporal Investigation. <laughs> it's about time. See, I guess that's just me wanting more of that. And I'm never going to get it. Mm -hmm. right? I'm never going to get a show where there is a agency that explore that polices time. Well, maybe all I'm going to get is the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, <laughs> called Time Cop, <laughs> which was a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, but speaking about the that scene where they they say he's a menace and they talk about the date and how far back it was, and the other guy goes, "It was a Friday." Um, again, little reference because Star Trek aired on Fridays, and this episode aired on a Friday. The original series, Trouble with Tribbles, and so that was the joke there. So they have this moment with O'Brien or moments with O'Brien and Bashir. Mm -hmm. There's that whole weird conversation they have with, with each other with that, about that nurse, how the nurse was like hitting on her mm -hmm. or him. Mm -hmm. She was hitting on him. Yeah. And where it was the name of his great, great grandmother or something like that. Right. And how she was assigned to the enterprise. Well, she was assigned and, to Starfleet. She might've been on enterprise. Yeah. And they never knew his great grandfather. Yeah. And so it was this thing where Bashir is trying to talk himself into going to have sex with whom someone he knows is his great, great grandmother. Well, someone he assumes is his great, great grandmother. 
Right, but we're doing the math. Of, there probably isn't another person who shares the same name who has the same exact age, right? It's probably her, right? That's no. May- it's not like well, it could be her. There was like five people that have that name. No, it's like it's obviously her. Well, that's but what the they were scene saying. Like, is it's- not about that. Okay. <laughs> The scene is about him saying, look, I, I might have to go do this. You know, trying to like, he's asking O'Brien permission if I can go have sex with my great, great grandmother. Right. That's what he's doing. Yes. Well, and what's, <laughs> what I liked about, first off, you know, his little comment at the end, like, uh, I'm, I can't wait to see your face when you find out I've never existed. Um, but also right. like the way that they froze with their glares at each other like o'brien give me a break and bashir like kind of angrily glowering at him as they look at each other and kind of beam out it looked almost like the the freeze at the end of a scene or at the end of an episode of something like uh um police squad i think was the name of it um right oh yeah absolutely yeah police squad amazing yeah who are you and how did you get in here i'm a locksmith and I'm a locksmith. The, that was that was what I took away from it. <laughs> they're just like they're frozen, and the this credits roll by. <laughs> yeah, just another reference. Like when they were talking about the the color swap. I mean, every doctor has done this at some point. But he says, "I'm a doctor, not an historian." Um, oh, but the the moment when. <laughs> They're talking about how they have like a very short window to transport over because of the the scan cycle that the Enterprise does. I would have loved if they had missed it. So it gave them more time to talk about stuff <laughs> just because that's never happened. Like they always manage to, to beam in at just the right time. But just like, you know, our, our window shortening. Uh, OK, nope, that's passed. We have another like 25 minutes before let's, it comes around let's again. Let's grab a drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there um, was a ticking clock because they realized that someone had set a bomb. But I mean, yes. other than that, there was no reason why they couldn't just hang out. Right. In fact, right. why not? Why not go and hang out for a while? Which is what I, Odo I and Worf did. Yeah. Um, but the the comment that Odo made about the humanoids loving soft furry animals that make soothing sounds, um, that was the comment that Spock had made when they first saw, um, when, when they went into the whatever lounge area with, with Uhuru and Uhura and everybody having their, uh, the tribbles. Yeah. So, I mean, I would have never grabbed onto any of these. Oh, I know. Yeah, all, that's right? that's why I'm I mean, sharing. Did you, you did you catch any of them? Not n- no, I mean the the only one that I caught was the um uh Dax knowing the number. Which number? The of how many triples there would be. Oh, know, right. She, but yeah. at that moment that that bugged me actually because at that moment it would have been a smaller number. No, they, I was thinking was, right right right, but they they said they had like I cuz I I looked at the facts and then I I watched the episode. They had an hour and it says uh, providing that they um, they reproduce every twelve hours, so there would have been that number. The number didn't change from the time that she said it to the time that Spock Got said it. it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. we're we're almost there. Um. But I liked the I liked the badge com moment when they were on the turbo lift. I just I feel like he waited too long. I feel like the moment he hit his chest, he would have known that his badge com wasn't there. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> I, I liked that scene. I liked that they were sort of patient with it. I feel like they could have done more with it though. Right. It could have, like they could have just, cause it was just about them holding the thing and then calling out to the computer. Like, why not, why not go a little bit farther? I don't have an answer for how they could have done that, but I just, I wanted there to be more of that fish out of water element to it mm-hmm. without it becoming a cartoon, but, but explore a little bit how it's different. I guess. Well, yeah, like have, have Cisco struggle at the, at the calm when he's up on the bridge. Um, that would have been that would have been good, right? Um, yeah, just just a couple little things like that. Yeah, no, I agree. 
Um, so the so getting to the bar um, where O'Brien is is talking about the lieutenant saying that that's Kirk. This is what I was talking right. about uh, with the intro, like where they it seemed like they set these things up. That guy was actually the actor who was William Shatner's stunt double as Kirk. So they would have had to have known when they were writing the script they were they were gonna. I guess I guess yeah I guess I guess they would have known that. I was like, how would they have known to get that actor back? I was like, no wait. <laughs> Right, that's right. not what happened. That's not how it works. <laughs> and he looked so great for his age. I mean, what? This is thirty-five <laughs> years ago. Well, yeah, the videotape stays the way it is. You don't have to have the actors back when it's just a videotape of them. They already mm-hmm. have that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So they have that moment with Worf where somebody mm-hmm. has a tribble, and Worf sees it, and he becomes. Mm-hmm. He's like, "It's a tribble." And I wanted him to have a knee-jerk reaction and just grab it, snap its neck, and throw it away because that's what a normal uh, Klingon would do when faced with a triple. Grab it and squeeze it until the juice comes out. (laughs) Sorry. Force of (laughs) habit. I I have a tendency to do that to things I don't like. Ask Jordy. (laughs) Well, they they set this up that that triples and Klingons are mortal enemies. Enemies. (laughs) And so – I, I like I like that he would just have this natural reaction just to execute it right away. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting too is like that. Did that happen in his lifetime, or is that just history for him? You know, when they went and eradicated the the show. I mean, I guess it must be history because nobody on the on the crew uh, on the DS Nine crew on the station like they nobody knew what a triple was. So that means it must right. have happened before Worf. So he he only knows about triples through history books. Not necessarily. Just because we haven't seen Worf interact with a Tribble does not mean he's never interacted with a Tribble. So it's They've been eradicated. They're he, extinct. Look, I think... <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> no, no, this is impossible. With a, a species that that is born, born pregnant, pregnant, right? Uh, you cannot eradicate this, this species. It is uneradicatable with something like that. It's mm. like bacteria or something you're never going to get rid of it like that's why this is this this ending is super dark of this episode. oh i know i know i it's know super dark like I, this is this should have been the, the serious finale because <laughs> <laughs> sam beckett never left home yeah <laughs> exactly um so in that in that scene where they're they you know they're talking about all the klingons around them um the suggestions that o'brien and bashir gave the viral mutation and uh, some something else I forgot, like a genetic anomaly. I think was what he said. Um, yeah. Those were those were answers that fans had speculated and tried to justify, and then Enterprise eventually did give the actual answer. Yeah, at least um, I mean I, I don't know. I, I, it's funny that everybody tries to force fit uh, mm-hmm. something like this. I guess what they call that retconning. Uh, <laughs> they should have a name for that. Where you're trying to. <laughs> retroactively Look, it's not like it's an intuitive word it's a bunch of syllables they put together two two paul that's a bunch <laughs> if you have, a, if you have a, a bunch of pumpkins it's two okay if they're like big pumpkins that's a bunch of pumpkins i am never asking you to get me a bunch of anything i'm gonna be so disappointed <laughs> I'm trying to think. They grab us a bunch of peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> One and two. Yeah, and two. <laughs> Mission accomplished. 
Of course, you're going to be shocked if you ever ask anybody for a bunch of something. (laughs) (laughs) Every like a small bowl of peanuts. I'm like, Jesus! (laughs) I said a bunch! (laughs) How many farms did you have to buy to bring me this? Uh, um, and just going back to like the, the technology of this episode, um, sorry, just to change gears completely. Like the, the <laughs> scene where Kirk and Spock were talking and Cisco and Dax were in the background, like it, that it's what, 25 years old now ish. Like it's yeah. so good. Yeah. I mean, they, they did a, such a great job with the integration and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, it, it really, you don't really ever question it. Whereas right. it feels like today, if they tried to do that, they would try and do it kind of on the cheap and it, you would be able to tell. Or they would do it too much and you'd be able to tell. But yeah, like right. regardless of how they yeah. did it, they, you'd be able to tell. Um, right. It felt like the producers were in this nice little area where they could do it technologically, but it was it was expensive. But they wanted to do it because it was, a, as you said, an anniversary. And so they figured out enough. They, they were limited enough by the technology, but – uh, inspired enough by the anniversary to to make it work, and they met in the middle somewhere, and they, and it worked really well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was actually one thing that I read in the notes that I they they didn't do, and I was so disappointed having read the note. Like they wanted to do the end credits like the original series, so the the font would have matched, and they would have had stills from the episode previously, like just kind of you know slideshow style. <laughs> I'm going to be putting up the the video clips on on Twitter and the Facebook page so people can see these. Um, if you are not already a, a follower on a for, of us on Twitter or a member of our Facebook page, um, you can find us at the Measure of an Episode podcast on Facebook and at Measure Episode on Twitter. So promotion aside, um, what I liked was after the fight when they got Darwin and they brought they brought him to the Defiant like. Just like on the original series, he spills the beans and talks about what his plan was and what he was going to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the murder she wrote ending. Well, yeah, and that seems to be his mo. Like the moment he's caught, he's like, he's like, here's my plan and how I was going to do it. <laughs> well, he was so proud of the plan. Mm-hmm. So I do feel vindicated, though. So okay. in the last episode. I made a, a big deal, too much of a big deal, perhaps, about the storage compartment, storage compartment line mm-hmm. that Kirk gives. Yep. Which Cisco does. Okay? Yes. <laughs> Again, like that's what I'm saying. Like even you knew that there was going to be a follow up to that. Yeah. Well, how can there not be? Right. It's a ridiculous line. <laughs> yep. When he hears the storage compartments, he goes, storage compartments, storage compartments. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny, too, because Cisco himself kind of has his own affect. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just Avery Brooks or if Avery Brooks is doing the – maybe he felt that every captain needs a an affect because that's the trend, that that's the, the, the tradition mm-hmm. that uh, James T. Shatner, William Shatner. <laughs> William T. Kirk, uh, yep. I can never remember his name for some reason. <laughs> It's not a joke. It's not a bit. I literally cannot remember his name. Uh, so maybe that's what he thought. Maybe I, I need to have an affect, but it can't be Kirk's because everybody does that. So I should do my own. And so he just decided, no, see, I think, I think he did go to the Shatner School of Acting. It's just, you know, they're, they're told to give emphasis on words. And how you choose to do that is 
up to you, but you need to make sure that they're emphasize that you are emphasizing words within your sentence because that's how you talk. And Shatner was like, okay, so let me think on this. I'll, I'll probably pause as if I'm trying to search for the words. And as we have discovered in this podcast, if you do not say um or like to gather your thoughts, you sound like Shatner. And <laughs> yeah. with Avery Brooks, he decided to punch the lines, you know. Um, right. I'm sorry. I don't believe that was a request. Well, it's almost like, okay, he gives his two-year-old the script and a highlighter. He <laughs> comes back half an hour later and just hits all the highlighted words that are in his lines. That's what it feels like. All the highlighted words that are in the the circle with two lines with daddy written over it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do think that we should have a conversation where I do Janeway and you do Cisco. <laughs> Although your Cisco is way more authentic than my Janeway, obviously. I love your Janeway, though. It's just for me, it's spot on. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know exactly who I'm talking or who is talking. So I, I think I mentioned this in our last episode. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. But I, I really like that the the end where Shatner is buried in Tribbles. And there's random tribbles just falling off and hitting him that they explain that in this episode of them throwing the the non bomb tribbles aside. And that's what's causing them to to fall out of <laughs> yeah. the, the storage compartment, storage compartment. Yeah, they definitely had a nerd watching these or nerds mm-hmm. watching these and saying, OK, how can we, you know, knowing the lore behind this episode, knowing where to, you know, what's what's good fodder for for people who are really paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, they did a exactly. Good job with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but I, you know what I do like is that they made Odo the most unemotional, stilted character, a softy, a big softy for Tribbles. He loves them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, that was. Uh, and this is the only episode where Quark shows up and says nothing. <laughs> I thought he did say something at the end. Didn't no, he he gives like kind of a, a a sigh, you know, as he looks around and sees himself buried in Tribbles. But but yeah, like that was that was actually in my note the the no solution to the tribbles nor any mention of it again. Like it's just they've right. taken. I I really have to think that at at some point, um, you know, despite what Scotty said in the trouble with tribbles, like they they had to be they had to have been transported to something and you know some some isolated chamber. Like they they did the genetic coding of tribbles and just sent them off somewhere. Well, I I I think. In the end, the only way out of this is they beamed them into space and they were sucked into the wormhole. <laughs> and that's the that's the only they they basically euthanized all the tribbles. Oh no 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 just, no! I I <laughs> just send them to the Dominion. <laughs> well, no, I think a better a better option would be uh, you beam them into space. It's the only way out. It's the only way we know how to handle this. It's it's sad for the tribbles, but we have to do it for the safety of everybody. So they beam them into space. They get sucked into the wormhole. We never hear from them again, except every time that we hear from the prophets and Cisco has a vision, <laughs> there are tribbles everywhere. In the, in the more vision. and more. Yeah. Uh, so good. That's better, right? That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of us winning the, the Dominion War just by sending them tribbles. <laughs> it's, it's warfare. They're actually weapons. Right. It's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so the, the last scene, just speaking technologically, the last scene with, um, Cisco and Kirk, uh, one of the things that 
people have always been impressed by is the handoff of the the roster. Um, and I watched it three or four times just to make sure. And there is no handoff of the roster. No. It's just edited in such a way to make it make people put it in their head that it was handed off. But yeah, it's a sleight of hand, basically. Yeah. Like Cisco gives the shoulder gesture of handing it over and then it cuts to Kirk having it and he looks through it and then he hands it back and same thing. Um, it shows Cisco with his shoulders taking it back and saying thank you. It, if I feel like they that that did not land for me because there's no scene where they're both together, I don't think, or at least where they're not just sort, sort of a split screen right down the middle. I don't remember exactly what happens, but I felt like there wasn't enough interaction to say, oh, Cisco and Kirk were in the same room. Hmm, okay. Like they did for, for me, they didn't nail it. It felt like they were trying really hard because that was kind of the only place they could have done it within this episode. Right. But I don't know. I felt like they should have, they should have found a better way. And, and it's kind of too bad because if you think about this episode, I understand why they chose trouble with tribbles to travel back to. It's the most famous episode as we covered in our previous episode. Right. It, it's the one that has the most household name value, mm-hmm. but Think about all of the other episodes they could have traveled back to and in some way incorporated themselves into that would have been a little bit more interesting and not so kitschy and novelty, right? Like it felt like there could have been a way more, I guess, satisfying way to put them into it as opposed to just saying, oh, there's, there's Cisco in a triple. Isn't that fun? You know, less fun, less Doctor Who, more Star Trek. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is another callback to a conversation you did not hear. Well, yeah, and if you'd like to hear it, you can become a member of our Patreon. <laughs> That's right, unless you chucked in a, chucked in a buck, but uh, most of you did not hear that conversation once again. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to become a member of our Patreon, uh, contributing to the Patreon gives you access to deleted scenes, um, off-topic conversations, other nerdy stuff. Uh, we discuss Superman, we discuss horrible Star jobs, Wars. Star Wars, um, child-rearing. Titanic. Um, yeah. we discuss would you rathers, you know, just all, all kinds of math, <laughs> deep conversations that are not <laughs> pertinent to Star Trek. So we do not put them on our podcast. We need, yeah. a, we need more reviews and yeah. only five star reviews. I think that's <laughs> all that they accept that, now. Really? All they, all they accept now is five star reviews. I just want to know that our fans are out there. <laughs> One star. Yep. Here's your stupid review. Stupid heads. <laughs> I would, and I would, I would come on elated that we had somebody take the time to comment. <laughs> Paul, 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 look! <laughs> they hated us! <laughs> we high five. But they told us! <sighs> yeah. Actually, I'd be elated too. I would be elated. Um, so, <clears throat> final thought. Would I, like, hearing, hearing our criteria, I actually thought this was a Star Trek episode watching it, but hearing our criteria, I have to say it's not. Yeah. So there is, I know you're going with this and that's the morality aspect of it. And I think that the morality of deciding whether or not to interact with a timeline that may or that may or may not screw something up in the, in the future okay, or in their, in their present. Sure. They discuss that. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I feel I, I they discuss that. And I do feel like that would be a big concern. In fact, yeah. It would be the whole purpose for the temporal investigation unit, whatever they mm-hmm, call it, mm-hmm. to exist in the first place. Otherwise, who cares? Who cares if you go back in time or not? It's 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 the idea that you can affect change. So right. that is a big deal. And so 
I would think that that there is a moral ethical aspect to that. I don't know if that's what Gene Roddenberry (laughs) had in mind, but nonetheless, it does satisfy that criteria. Well, so is for you, is Back to the Future 2 sci-fi? Yes. Okay. One is not. Right. Two is. Well, yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, well, I feel like this is Back to the Future 1. They traveled back in time and then they tried not to change the timeline, but still fix the problem. That's not really what Back to the Future 1 is about, though. Yes, that happens in Back to the Future 1, but it's very peripheral. It's kind of just sort of the the icing on on the movie cake. But in this, that is kind of what they're going for. They're, they are kind of, how do we interact? They talk about Worf. And they talk about, uh, there's two characters. that One is the older one and one is the younger one. Granted, they don't ever interact or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's kind mm-hmm. of It's kind of not super integral him being i mean he's he's not in the show for most of it right he's right. at the beginning at the end but um conceptually i think it's more star trek than the amount of sa- or, uh, the amount of time travel slash science fiction that is in back to the future one so then what so what's the what's the sci-fi that's integral to the plot i mean obviously it couldn't happen without time travel but the time travel is just the bookend like they're not trying to get back in back to the present they're trying to solve the problem that is happening in the past I, two things the first thing is that it is a they used the same character uh that i missed <laughs> at the beginning of the episode that was like slapping me in the face uh by the way just as an aside are we supposed to know that he's the bad guy at the beginning is it written in such a way where no we're supposed to know oh they're being they're being bamboozled kind of thing yeah, we're not no, supposed the- to know that Right. right. You would you would only know that if you had done what we did, which is watch it right after Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> yeah, I still didn't know it. That's why I'm ashamed of myself. But anyway, <laughs> I think that, that that element in that there was a a like character um in it. And also I do think that they were exploring the differences of the past and the future in such a way that was interesting. And also I guess you could say that they were trying to avoid changing anything. And I did like that that element. I, I felt like that was applicable um i'm not saying it's a it's a very this it's on solid foundation but i do think it it applies enough at least for me you still on the fence well yeah because i feel like what you just said you know the same argument could be said about back to the future which you don't consider sci-fi i don't think i think more of what back to the future is is a is about him and his dad the thematically at least is that he his dad is a loser he doesn't want to be a loser. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's why they're so different. And then the interaction between the two people, uh, it, it's not really about Doc Brown. Doc Brown is just sort of, he's sort of Bolana Torres in that, <laughs> in that movie. He's not, he's yeah. not particularly integral to the plot necessarily. Uh, but in this, in, in this one, it's more about time travel. It's they're there. Yes, they are there to stop uh, this guy from blowing up the ship. But for a good reason, it's not just because Marty might disappear. It's because the entire future will disappear, I guess. Um, right. The timeline would be irrevocably changed. Yeah. Yes. It would be totally different. Yeah. So that is more at the forefront. And so I don't know. That's that's kind of why I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for time travel anyway. So maybe I'm giving it too much leeway. Uh, I, I mean, are you are, are you saying that it, there's just not enough of that element to for it to trigger for you? No, I, I guess it was just a little bit more of, um, you know, they had to they had to discreetly find the bomb. They had to discreetly find Darwin and then they had to discreetly 
discreetly find the bomb. And I mean, I, I think you're right that the consequence is altering the timeline completely, um, which is the stakes. So, you know, I'm 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 willing to to concede that. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm I'm giving it too much credit. Maybe right. I'm I'm maybe maybe it, it really isn't. Maybe there's not it's just not dense enough. Maybe it's too much of a a novelty episode for it to have really explored any kind of science fiction. I, I would say it probably is novel because this doesn't happen that often. Oh, for the sure. They, they, they did this. The, the, this is definitely the the most novel like Star Trek scenario that I feel like we've in, we've encountered. You know, it's like I said, it's very start, it's very back to the future, but it's Star Trek has not done this before where they had to avoid their past selves to complete something or to avoid right. past interaction. Yeah. Maybe it just needed to be a, a, a little bit more interesting plot line. It felt like it could only be a certain level of sophistication because they had to fit it within the confines of the old episode. Sure. And that doesn't, you can't do that. I mean, they would have had to have really searched through it and they they obviously wanted to do tribbles. And so mm-hmm. they were left with that. Well, but so here we sit, we've got, we've got two of the three. Do we, do we allow it because it's got two of the three and that's the majority? Or do we try to find the third or because it's not all three, do we say no? I think because it's not all three, especially because it's a, you know, if it was like, oh, there's no ethics in this. It's like, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I guess that's true. Uh, like but, the moment doesn't have that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think if it, it's just very light on the sci-fi, maybe too light, maybe you're right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the question. Like, you know, it, making, making it objective, making it binary you know, is there sci-fi integral to the plot? And yes, it is bookended with time travel, but without the time travel, the episode could not happen. Well, they explore time travel in the sense that they are maintaining the safety or I guess the existence of the future timeline throughout the whole episode. It's not like they time travel back bowl for 40 or darts. By the way, no darts. No <laughs> darts, you're right. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, uh, and then at the end of the episode, time travel back they are doing science fictiony things um mm-hmm. but it's it's i think maybe not enough no but i mean i think i think what you just said was enough to sway me because i think you're right like they're everything that they were doing was considering how what the ramifications would be on the future and just the just the fact that they are constantly bringing that up you know, I mean, that's that's intricately woven into the plot. And, you know, that's that's definitely a sci fi element saying we can't alter the past. So it's not super satisfying science fiction, but I think it's there. Right. Well, yeah. And I think I think once you once you break it down like this, you know, it it is there. Um, I, I started as a no, but I just needed to to talk it out and figure it out. But yeah. I yeah, I would yeah. change right. my so vote and say it's say it's. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. Well, I'm changing mine. It's definitely a no. So where does that leave us? <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. It, there is just enough to have it exist as a proper Star Trek episode, I think. Yeah. And I would agree. And it's a great one. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Especially watching the two back to back. I think I think that's definitely just a way to appreciate it so much more. And the last time I saw this episode, I, I don't think I'd ever seen the Trouble Tribbles episode. Uh, and there was really no way in 1990, whatever, six, seven mm-hmm. to to see it unless I accidentally caught it on TV. Right. There was no maybe there was a DVD. No, I don't think DVDs were out yet. So I definitely wasn't going to go buy a VHS. Mm hmm. Um, <laughs> well, or just finding it on TV guide, you know, scouring all looking for all the Star Trek reruns right? or sitting through yeah. the, the, oh, what was that called? It wasn't, it wasn't the TV guide channel, was it? Where you have to wait. Yeah. It was, yeah. Oh God. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was a thing. 
Right. You could just sit and watch the scroll of 83 channels and then have it go back around. <laughs> and if you got distracted at any point, too bad. You just had to wait for it to come around again. Oh, God. That was life. <laughs> that was... How do we have time to do anything else? Right. I know. There were there were shows to watch and you didn't know when they were on. Like, spent half the <laughs> time watching time shows and the other shows. half... Right. <laughs> the other half looking for them. <laughs> All right. Should we see what we're watching next? Uh, yeah. Star Trek Voyager. Season 4, episode 14, Message in a Bottle. This is a very special episode. Do you know why? Can you tell why? Can you see why from the, uh, the icon or what do they call it? The screen capture? The, the thumbnail? Thumbnail. Um, I mean, based on the thumbnail, I can see the special guest star. I <laughs> yeah. don't That's, know. Yeah, there's not, it's not just that there's Andy Dick and then there's something else special about the episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's the Andy Dick show. It's the right. Andy Dick Star Trek show. Great. So, this should be fun. This should be very fun. I remember nothing about this episode other than what an odd weird. Hey, go um in season four, go look at episode eight. See how close we were. Episode eight. Oh. 